1: What's good, Internet? It's November 18th, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 443. I'm your host, Rob Zachney, and today I'm joined by Patrick Lepic. Hello. Producer, Ricardo Contreras. It'll be the 19th for you, listener. That's true. I thought thought I'd covered that. I'm keenly
2: aware because there's a very important thing happening on the 19th in Pokemon Unite. There's a new character coming out that I'm very excited about, so I know the 19th is tomorrow and not today. (laughs)
1: <laughs> all right well i'll uh, keep an eye out for that new character uh, so uh to change gears real quickly here um in terms of things not being good hmm. i think we just have to get into all the news that came out this week about activision and the subsequent fallout uh, from that patrick you want to talk us through some of the news that broke this week and some of the responses that have been elicited since then yeah, I mean, like the high high level was started like
0: what has been a uh, kind of a slow boil um, with Activision over the last, I don't know, was has it been since that original, uh, you know, California, um, like sort of labor division suing the company. That's probably a couple of months back at this point. Um, and we've had, you know, a lot of instances since then, you know, that that report. Accused the company of having sort of like a, 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 a quote, breeding ground for harassment, I believe. And a lot is, of the spotlight
1: uh, there was on Blizzard specifically. In Blizzard the specifically. We've seen, we've seen a lot of – yeah. We, yeah. We, we
0: saw a number of resignations uh, following that. Um, since then, there has been like a real bleeding of talent that seems to be a mixture of a result of investigations that have happened since and also um, people not wanting to work at this company uh, anymore. Um And obviously, it's Activision Blizzard. Like a lot of this investigation was focused on the Blizzard angle. But, uh, you know, Activision is a really, really big company. um, And the Activision side is uh, also extremely large. And the kind of big revelation this week was a uh, really expansive piece in the Wall Street Journal, uh, which is really
1: well worth reading. If if you can find a way to read it, if, if you have to find a wink, way around it, there <laughs> yeah, are a few uh, ways. Wall Street Journal has a very aggressive paywall, but there are a few ways to uh, maybe sidestep it. Maybe a lot of people may have posted links to full uh, unredacted, unexcerpted copies. Uh, who can Magic. say? It I mean, this is just like emulation. You know, I don't. I think it's. I've heard I've it's heard out there. Well, who, who, can, who can?
0: Who can say? Who would download a ROM? But not me. It was kind of <laughs> um, it,
1: it was kind of a stunning story because it not only then uh, showed that this was any sort of belief you might have had that um, well, Blizzard was always kind of a subculture within Activision. It's kind of its own you know company, its own uh, campus. Any sort of uh, idea you may have had about like it being unique to some of the uh, circumstances of Blizzard was kind of shattered because not only did the Wall Street Journal uh, report. I think it was by Ben Fritz, right? I was, um, it was a number of uh, uh, reporters,
0: but including Ben Fritz, who the reason that comes to mind for you is because this is someone who used to work for a Variety doing yeah. um, explicitly games reporting. and is now um, someone who sort of like heads up a lot of uh, reporting and editorial at, at Wall Street Journal uh, uh, writ large.
1: Right, but the, the piece outlines a number of allegations at other Activision studios, but I think crucially it also indicates two things. Uh, one, that CEO uh, Bobby Kotick had firsthand knowledge of these allegations existing, uh, having been reported up to the, the chain, and two, was himself at the center of some allegations within the company of uh, abusive management.
0: Yeah, in- including um, leaving a voicemail in which he threatened to kill someone, which I believe active in response to that was to call it hyperbolic language. I might be, they definitely use the word hyperbolic. I don't know if that exact phrase was how the, the, the corporate comp. Well, you can
1: sort of imagine what it was, it was his personal assistant, uh, yeah. if, if memory serves. And so I think you can, I think there is no shortage of very powerful executives who feel and do as a matter of routine speak to personal assistants and direct reports. We'll go and also manner. a culture in which that is yeah. accepted. Go back and
0: watch the yeah. show Entourage, right? Like a show in which was very popular. Admittedly, I watched and, and, and liked for a peri- period of time. But then you look back, it's like this is a show that completely celebrates and <laughs> turns into an icon, a character who just takes a shit. On his minority assistant. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, as a culture, like, we've accepted, like, oh, bosses are going to be shitty to, um, you know, the, their subordinates. Um, And so there's – it really, like – it's really, again, well worth reading the piece, especially there's you know, an instance I believe is over at Sledgehammer, in which there was a, a credible accusation of uh, harassment and assault that was basically just squashed. Like, the person should have been pushed out, should have been fired, but the – the, the call of duty machine um uh, needs to keep on on moving um and so that person stayed at the company until this Wall Street Journal report started asking questions at which point the person quietly left the company I think the explanation the company has given externally and internally has has been well we didn't have the proper procedures in place to deal with things like like and now we do it's a mess and and more importantly like the, the broader takeaway is that the suspicion all along has been, uh, well, things start at the top. And that's not a suspicion, right? Like we know this, like culture starts at the top. There can be bad actors all the way down that, um, but if it's if it's messy at the top, if it's toxic at the top, uh, that's only going to embolden, encourage, and allow for bad behavior um, to proliferate throughout a company. And it's, you could have your suspicions and a story like this as shocking as the specifics are, learning that this company has a culture like this that is perpetuated and uh, really encouraged uh, by someone like Bobby Kotick is is just not shocking whatsoever. Um, and where it leaves us now is, you know, you have follow-up reports, um, including there was a uh, something like 150 employees, did a walkout the day this report came out of the Wall Street Journal. There was a report uh, from Bloomberg, uh, Jason Schreier, in which uh, the head of PlayStation, Jim Ryan, um, there was an internal memo in which he expressed some disgust at what had happened over there. Didn't lay out any plans to not partner with the company or anything like <laughs> nothing explicit other than that's bad, but you know, low, low bar, um, hit in which, a uh, high profile executive who didn't have to say anything says something. I don't want to give too much credit credit to Jim Ryan over there, but, it, but it, it does, I think suggest that this is, this is something is happening here. Will it, whether this results in, you know Bobby Kotick being forced out uh, we don't know the share price has taken a pretty notable hit uh starting with the original lawsuit um over the summer and, and concluding or ongoing uh with the these uh, this new uh report and allegations um uh, today i just saw uh Nicole Carpenter over at Polygon had a a piece uh, uh noting that uh roughly 700 Activision uh, employees I think it's a mixture of employees, ex-employees, and contractors have signed a petition to have uh, Bobby Kotick removed as CEO. There were a lot of headlines around this shareholder group demanding that Bobby Kotick leaves. As Jason Schreier noted on Twitter, while that is important, they have that that group has been extremely critical of Activision for years and represents 0.6 percent of the shares in the company. And so n- notable that someone would say something like that out loud, but in practical terms of applying pressure that would result in the removal of someone um, is maybe overstated by the amount of uh, coverage that has been given, including us. We wrote about it. It's still notable. I just want to like temper some expectations uh, there. And so this is kind of creating a, a broader client. This story is a, this The thing is this story has escaped like enthusiast press, like games people talking about a thing happening in games. This is this is like headline news on CNBC, the Wall Street Journal. And like where do CEOs go to die? Like it's when it it's like when they're no longer able to control the news, the scenario, and like where it's being talked about. So I don't know if that's where this ends is is Kodak being ousted. It probably, it would it would be the right, it would be the right, it would be the moral move, it would be the the move uh, of justice. But I, I don't know that that's necessarily where we end up because the historical track record would suggest absent the board of directors who who are here in this scenario, really the ones who would have to uh, uh, push for a codec to remove he wasn't going to resign. Um, and I guess the the concluding note to that is that I believe after this Wall Street Journal piece came out, the the board of directors then subsequently put out a statement that said we we think we think Bobby's the guy to fix this mess that that Bobby made. God, uh, and I think that I think that brings us to roughly where we are as of as of this morning,
1: right? Now, admittedly, over time, like Bobby Kotick has been there for ages. This was the a guy lot, who
0: was so like, like, like CEOs don't last this long, especially CEOs. Yeah. He's not a games guy, right? Like he is not someone. You know, this isn't like a. Satoru Owada situation, where it's like, oh, like a programmer climbed the ladder, and the reason they're at this game company for decades is because they just love games. They understand games. I want to say a consumer
1: cyclicals guy.
0: Honestly, let me check up. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what his his origins uh, are. Um, but but even even amongst you know uh, like just CEOs just don't last long. Companies go through ebbs and flows. Like CEOs uh, are you know always take the blame and then get cycled out, get a golden parachute, and that's supposed to be you know, how this this cycle works. is like the reason you take the hit on a couple of bad quarters or years is because they pay you on the way out and then you go to the next one. And um, Bobby is still here. Um, you know, I, I guess uh, to his credit has turned Activision into an enormously successful uh, company. Like, again, like how much credit you lay specifically at Kodak is is certainly up for debate, but has overseen, been part the leadership of Activision as it has gone from, a like you know otherwise nominal third party publisher to like one of the true powerhouses in in video games um and has stuck with it despite many times there being obvious moments for him to go time to cash in and you know move out um and in this scenario even would have been that like dude you're old like you're rich go do anything but this like why would you want to clean up this mess but as i told Someone in a text message um, who used to work at that company in a in a fairly high profile role, in which they asked me like, "Why is he left?" Because these these people are fucking insane. Like people people who get to this position, like you cannot apply normal logic uh, to. And so, I'm also not shocked that that he has it left. Because why why
1: why would he? Well, no, I think this is the other thing to bear in mind as well. In in all this, I started thinking about like why. Why like why CEOs encouraging this kind of culture and refusing to deal with like institutional rot is kind of a feature and not a bug. and I think that is predominantly because a lot of what like uh, Kodak and guys like Kodak are about is delivering as much of the uh, sort of excess wealth and profits generated by Activision's games and making sure that it goes to shareholders, to investors with a healthy healthy slice for the executives. And in order to do that, you do have to institutionalize and make sure that none of that starts getting filtered back into the, like the line employees who make a lot of these games. And so I think sort of the first responsibility uh, for guys like this is to stand there and make sure that people who just like own the capital of Activision continue getting like the overwhelming majority of the rewards. And as part of that, I think, the the deal is, you sort of have to accept that the arrangement is going to be exploitative no matter what. And I look at situations like this, and it is these are other forms of exploitation. And somebody like Kodak, obviously, the machine just has to continue turning uh, and has to continue proceeding along uh, untroubled. By the sorts of things you would have to do to intervene in cases of abuse or uh, malfeasance, and if you start doing that, that sort of that sort of sets a precedent that there are limits to that exploitation. And I think, to a degree, the hard line that Activision has drawn here is is very intentional. Uh, I don't think it's just obliviousness. It is it is very much sort of a declaration of this is just how it works, and you can't make us change. You can't make us do anything. Uh, And and so when I look at when I look at a guy like Kodak and his board standing behind him, uh, for me, it it, it does seem very much like. uh, Even if they do eventually, like, get forced to make some concessions uh, along these lines. The refusal to make concessions, even when the moral case is inarguable, setting aside an economic one, uh, Mm -hmm. I think is part of. Is part of the 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 messaging here is part of the is part of the role is part of the ideology.
0: Yeah, and and I think what's also interesting about this moment in particular is, uh, you know, I was really struck by Polygon's decision to write and a Chris Plant the EAC over there wrote an editorial in which I believe the headline was "Bobby Kodak Must Go," um, and it was a pretty short editorial, you know, a couple hundred words, the summation. Uh, is in the headline, which is basically um, that Bobby Kodak must go. And it became uh, the headline at the top of their website. And, you know, there are fewer websites out there, bigger and more influential than, than Polygon. And for that, for that website to have their, the head it's, they didn't, that's not outsourced to a freelancer, to someone who specializes in opinion pieces. That's not to, uh, uh, to uh, marginalize folks who <laughs> do that work, it is, but it to put your EIC's name attached to uh, a headline like that. You know, I don't know that that moves the needle, but I do think it's a really important marker in the uh, the media's role and relationship with game companies, with 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 how we talk about game companies. You know, I mean, I think one of the things that we've tried to do over you know our five year tenure is like to you know to we understand ourselves to not be objective observers um and that we have chosen to lean into that and to uh realize that for whatever reporting and writing we do we also have opinions and come to conclusions as a result of that work and i think this is an instance in which you have you know polygon doing a lot of quality investigative reporting a lot of which led by reporters by like Nicole Carpenter as i referenced earlier and then that that reporting unlocks your ability to write an editorial like that in the same way that the New York times or wall street journal have like, you know, from the editors, like the the New York times ones are pretty fucking shit these days. and don't really mean anything, (laughs) but conceptually the idea that you have this body of work produced by the publication that allows the publication to draw a conclusion for its readers to use its reporting uh, strength to then underline a, a, a kind of a a, a a factual reading of the case, which is that Bobby Kodak should go is not the person uh, to lead this company is not the person to clean up this mess. Uh, I you know I find that to be a really interesting marker for a mainstream publication um, to take that tact and to and to publish that, and so I applaud them for it. I, I thought that was a re- that's really healthy. Um, and again, I don't think it matters whether it. You know, if if we wake up tomorrow and, and and Kodak's gone, like who knows how much that pushed the needle. But I do think it is a important marker in terms of how the media thinks of itself and what what its role is going forward.
1: Also, just uh real quick, I, I would I would say I, I would stress here. I think it's just less a matter of Bobby Kodak having a mess to clean up and acknowledging that like he is the mess. And right. that's right. that's like that's important <laughs> yeah, framing, right. too, is like it's like the, the the flip side that comes from being at a place for 30 years is that you can't just say, Whoa, hold on. Like, you know, it's a big company like there's I don't know a lot that goes on here. First of all, this was malfeasance and abuse like at senior levels of studios, like people he absolutely does know studios. Well, and by, by all accounts, this know.
0: reporting is showing he is a very hands on. Yes, it, it, there are plenty of examples of figurehead executives, folks who are there, and maybe they're there for a long time because it makes the shareholders feel good because um, it's cushy, because they like to do the press conferences, What, whatever the case may be. There are lots of examples, games or otherwise, in which you have folks who are at the top that stay at the top, but they're really not doing anything day-to-day um, that means very much. It is everything we have seen here. Who knows how much Codex involved in... Creative decisions, no, no clue. Like, and it's it's basically irrelevant because what is relevant is that he he understands the executives at his subsidiaries who may or may not, have, you know, or in this case, have been credibly accused of various things. Well, he thinks they're needed; they need to stick around in order for this game, these games, to keep shipping annually. So that right. person's going to stick around regardless of well, uh what's been what's been levied at them. And so that is like the moment you get down into that muck, the moment you start making those choices, you then start making you take ownership over the broader mess. Like regardless of how much you're putting
1: your hands in the other uh pots. And you're making a clear declaration about like what matters and what doesn't, right? Like people being safe at work doesn't matter because the results matter more, even the possibility that you're jeopardizing results. Like when I saw that he's (laughs) interviewed, like that you have Kodak intervening to make sure disciplinary action isn't undertaken when these allegations bubble up. I was reminded of the horrific situation that just unfolded with the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. Um, Sorry. It unfolded a decade ago. Yes. Our full understanding of it only came to light in this last year, but um, just to give the due to a lawsuit. Right. That stems from an abuser, committing that abuse somewhere else uh, because he was not uh, like brought to justice basically back when he committed as part of the Blackhawks organization. But the crucial moment, the thing that like disgraces everybody involved with it is that the allegations came to light in the context of a Blackhawks championship run and the most powerful people of the team, the uh, GM, the head coach, um, I think some other senior leadership all agreed, like we can't deal with this right now, and then they just never dealt with it at all. Um, and they let an abuser sort of remain in the house when they had credible uh, allegations of sexual assault. They sort of swept it under the rug, and we got cups to win, baby. Yeah, and I think sort of that's that's sort of the 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 thing here is the you're making a clear statement of values as well when it's like just the possibility. That it could cause an inconvenience to the the thing you actually care about. In this case, uh, in in the Blackhawk case, winning the Stanley Cup, in the case of Activision, turning out an annualized shooter franchise. Um, Even the possibility of a minor disruption. You don't even know what's going to happen. It could just be like it's easy to imagine these disciplinary actions. You just plug in another manager, but you meet that person and just the wheel keeps turning. (laughs) But... Instead, there's sort of a reflex to we're not going to acknowledge that this even happened uh, and we're going to sort of we're going to brush past it because we don't care about that. We we care about the results. And so I like I, I look at a situation like is unfolding at Activision Blizzard and it's not just like I would not be surprised that before this is all over, Kodak does resign. Um, yeah. He'd already done a really sort of showy. I think he'd. He'd he not taken salary for the year. Uh mm. might have like skipped yes. options for a year. Well,
0: and I, I believe they – they uh, you know, there was a minor celebration some weeks back in which Kodak finally kind of formally responded to uh, these sort of organized demands. It's not, a, it's not a union, but there was sort of a loose labor organization kind of happening within uh, the company. Um, I, I think – I forget the Twitter account that like is chronically like a better – uh you know, yeah. uh A B, something like that. If you if you Google it, you'll it'll it'll come up and I can look up formally in a minute. But uh and they they got a, a number of their uh 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 demands sort of like conceded by by Kodak. They weren't gonna revolutionize the company, but they were sort of like you know basic uh demands to try and avoid and provide avoid situations prior to accountability for the future. Um and you can see that's like the playbook, right? You take you take you take the low hanging fruit um yeah. Uh, thank you, Kato. Yeah. Uh, at uh, a better ABK uh, on Twitter. Um, definitely worth a follow if you want to keep track of how internally they're organizing at the, at the company. Um, and, you know, it's 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 not that it's not good that those changes uh, were were made or acknowledged, but it's also the case where like this is what happens, right? You take the low hanging fruit stuff that does, you know. Is it going to materially change, revolutionize the company? And then, cool, that's behind us. Like, can we go back to doing what we were doing before? And I think what's made all this notable is that there's just always something else. You know, when you have a company this big, there are so many. It really is a house of cards, and there's there's so many that can be pulled out. And I think what you've seen over and over is that every time the company doubles down, every time the company like basically uh, shovels some rhetorical shit um, in direction, or or employs a statement that is demonstrably false or can be (laughs) proven false, you have tens of thousands of people who are enraged and they're going to leak it to somebody because also the company has, you know, I don't know how they could enact repercussions for their employees about these things, but once it becomes a culture that uh, we're not going to punish leakers, well, then people are going to leak. And so um, that then undercuts what Activision has been trying to do, what most companies try to do in these situations is just – acknowledge, apologize, make mild concessions, pivot to the next thing, knowing that in our news media age, like attention, attention spans are are low and there'll be another shiny object the next day or another company is going to fuck up and then they'll go yell at them. (laughs) Um, And the thing with this is that just more stuff keeps coming up. Like, and again, it was kind of a lot of this had taken place in the sort of enthusiast uh, and sort of like trade press of video games. And the question was always going to be, will, will this escape? I mean, you got your write-ups in the New York Times, like there was mentions, but getting a full-fledged investigation from the Wall Street Journal and now getting New York Times write-ups and again, where it's getting onto business channels. I don't know, I'm with you. Like I, I'm as pessimistic as I am about, you know, real change. Like it is hard to imagine sitting here two weeks from now and having him, if anything, for the for like well, the cynical thing is like, yeah, Kodak will go and that'll just be the, the new thing, right? Like, well, okay, that's well, th- Kodak's, that's, that's Kodak's gone. Like, go. everything's good now, right? right? Like, we can stop talking about this. Right. And the, you know, the unfortunate part is like history has proven like th- frequently that will be the case. And then it's going to be on folks like a better ABK or if they had a union where, look, yeah, like we've got Kodak's head. This is important like that, that like we can show – there is some measure of accountability uh, in this company, but unless you remain organized and vigilant and press for further change and accountability, you know, there's every reason to think that it's just going to may not be tomorrow, but at some point something else is going, going to come up.
2: I really hope that what you're saying is true, Patrick, because we've been, we've been through something very similar with Kodak specifically before, right? Wasn't there that 2010 thing? Hold on.
0: It was this is over his jet, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. It's very, you know, very similar. It's some un- yeah, he's, some he's an un- asshole. Yeah. Like,
0: it's not, like, I don't think, <laughs> we've known him for a long time. I just uh, mean, time, but, like, and, like, that
2: happens yeah. while he's there at Activision. Right. He loses that lawsuit, he if does. I'm remembering correctly. And, like, nothing, yeah, like, there's no, like, even, like, blip of, like, oh, like, is this person the one that we want at the top of this company, like, at all? And, like... I don't know. My most cynical self is like, sure. There's obviously always push, uh, some sort of pushback and like, it's getting more traction this time around, but there's a little bit of like, I don't know. I mean, this is, yeah. Like Rob was saying before, this is partially it's, it is the system working. So like, will there, how will there be enough push? What It needs to be a monetary push, right? Like how are their stocks doing? where are shareholders getting scared like because if they're not at a certain point it's all gonna go away right until we like have some sort of large scale well, yeah absolutely right? like,
0: maintain the servers for world of Warcraft say sorry we're not coming in tomorrow go right. find some scabs that can right. uh, keep wow up or oops wars you know war zones off for you know that yeah. those are those are levers you're talking yeah, about yeah. and we don't you know we as a, as an industry, as a, or we as a society um you know you, you just look at what happened with John Deere right mm-hmm. they were uh striking for two almost two months 10 weeks uh, i believe Those um, rejected yeah. uh rejected two contracts and uh like finally just approved and signed something in which they got um like meaningful like pay increases like a ton of concessions uh from the company uh Jason, and mother's board, is still going to be mad that you can't repair the, <laughs> the, the equipment. I don't think they can yeah. see it on that front quite yet. Um, although I did see that, like, Apple, like, is now going to sell individuals, uh, like, repairing equipment. I'm sure Jason did a quiet cheer somewhere. Um, but, uh, I mean, yeah, you're right, Kato. Like, at, at, like that is what true organized uh, labor could do is is it's not just a walkout. It is we are going to issue we can, we can address pain. We can create pain points Mm -hmm. in the company that affect the bottom line that show that your workers have power. And here it's a lot of, you know, uh, shame, shame, (laughs) shame. And I'm not, I'm not, I really, truly am not doing that to all the people who are doing the work, like pulling the levers that they can to try and create that sense of, of, of shame and this culture and this idea that the culture should change. Um, like it's important you 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 throw you throw the rocks that you have um right. but I, I think you're right that it's the, the reason you remain you it's you know right to remain cynical and expectations low is that you're right like ab, absent like i don't know like hoping the stock price keeps going down um but is that just cuz of a bad news cycle right, right. And once the news cycle gets out that new call of Duty, you know, you know came like, out price well, it seems like anyone gave a kind of shit about vanguard so right.
1: who knows <laughs> Yeah, but I, yeah, no, it's and it's a very it's a very good point you you make, Kato. I had I had completely forgotten that there was the uh, lawsuit with the uh, flight attendant, uh, the allegations of which again sort of do center on uh, personal humiliation uh, yep. and entitlement. Yeah. Um So you, there's a, a Los Angeles <laughs> Times piece about it from uh, August second, twenty ten, where. A flight attendant uh, says she felt pressured to accompany uh, Kodak to social occasions. When she balked, um, he started having her uh, repeatedly, like clean the toilets on the private jet. Is the allegations that were were made? Uh, and the things the thing ends up getting settled. But yes, he he survives that. I do think it's a different environment at this point. But I think also yeah. to Patrick's point, he is 58 at this point and just coming up on uh sort of being in and like he's got his billions, he can walk. And that's the thing. Like at this point, even if you do like get the head, well, he's still like he, he kind of didn't, right? He's still he's still like walking with the money. Yeah. Um and if his culture and if his like leadership team is left in place, then a lot of these issues, it's probably fair to say, will persist. Uh it's just they won't be so neatly instantiated in in one person and, and that's all that's
0: all that's that's like the the blessing and the curse of where you get a story like this and then all of the arrows point at kodak because yes he is culpable he is responsible he has enormous influence over how his company has been run especially in instances where he has you know stepped in personally but as you point out Roberts like okay great if we waved a magic wand and he was gone Well, the structure he built is still there. And so then, you know, what do you, it's still important. It's like, yeah, yeah, like I I understand getting hung up on like, look, if he's forced out, he's going to get a golden parachute. I'm not sweating that too much, right? Because like that's just going to happen. That's yeah. that's the reality of the situation, and it's still important that he's fucking gone. Because like the billions were his anyway, right? Like th- we don't we don't we don't have a, a popular you know we don't have the right you know judicial regulatory bodies to, to enact that financial <laughs> economic justice. Like it's just not happening. and that sucks. But it is it is what it is. Uh, but it would still be important. It would still be uh, you know th- there would still be emotional needed emotional catharsis from him having gone as a result of that. And that is not nothing. Um, It would still be important, even if it wouldn't necessarily mean that Activision Blizzard would seem like a place that you would want to go work for in the future.
1: Right. I just, but it would, yeah, but it would absolutely be a mistake to conflate that with like the situation being less urgent Uh, because if it does happen, it certainly does not seem like it is happening because the board and shareholders of Activision are deeply concerned about uh, the safety of the workplace within Activision, <laughs> it would be well. This has become more of a headache than it is worth. Yeah, uh, and and so you you are sort of left wondering uh, and and looking towards some of these these moves by employees as maybe being the only avenue toward uh, ensuring stuff like this is at least seemingly less likely uh, to to happen because I think this this kind of has indicated that uh, across Blizzard now across Activision Blizzard uh, King at this point uh, things that maybe. People in one part of the company might have put down to, well, it's it's just some weirdness or some uh, missing stares in my reporting chain. But, you know, it's probably normal in other more boring parts of the company. It appears that what is normal throughout this company is kind of abuse and like secrecy. So um, and, and also, you know, Blizzard was a lot of people who have been there for a long time.
0: Yes. Like there is something like very like that's why you need the levers of accountability because people get entrenched like you know you you need that especially for organizations where you have entrenched power um because those people having built the structure (laughs) they built it not only in their image but in a way that services like their own their own uh sustainability um in those power structures and so you you need things that can they can poke holes you know knock down those structures um and, and absent though is you're relying on the people who built it to, you know, show
1: you some sympathy. And I, I think we have plenty of evidence that doesn't – regularly does not happen. No. Um, so I think we'll, we'll continue to keep our eyes on how this story unfolds and in particular how uh, the employees and leadership among employee groups uh, respond to the uh, way the situation continues to unfold. Uh, but for now, we will leave it there. In terms of – just a you know move to some better vibes uh before we take a break so this week natalie and i've continued playing inscription and i think <laughs> i crossed i don't like i don't know how much of the game i've seen but yesterday i had my moment of congrats to inscription uh 2021 game of the year uh <laughs> i think i think <gasps> that's a wrap Woo! Yeah, yeah and that's when i, when I, when I, I, I enjoyed
0: it's quote tweeting nice. uh the Game Awards game of the game of the year nominees, which did not have inscription, but I still quoted it in saying "congrats to inscription." Yeah, um, because look, if I uh, I can break reality, uh, I can I can make reality my own if I just if I just will it uh, hard enough. Um, but uh, what what was the what was the the moment in in particular? Because you've done since we talked on Monday two streams with yeah. with Natalie. Um, uh, but like what what's what changed other than just you know obviously. Cool look, mm. cool premise, like cool card game. Like where does it do go wanna, to where you've joined? Do we want to mark all, for spoilers here
2: a little bit just so you can kind of speak freely about what you saw? I think we do. I think we need okay. to mark
0: off some spoilers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we're yeah. yeah into spoilers. I, think I think at this point, Kato and I have done the job of like evangelizing the game in the most vague way possible. Yeah. And so go play at it. this point, <laughs> yeah, we'll still, do, we'll still do a warning. But like Kato and I won't talk about what we yeah. know. Yeah. But I think with the way we should approach the like our ongoing Yes. The way we're going to talk about inscription going forward is that we will talk full spoilers for what Rob and Natalie know.
1: And then Kato and I will speak in in code. (laughs) So I think two things, like, so that we kind of, Natalie and I went on a run and I think that's kind of key to this is we started to really, like, we finally started to get the game. uh, And I think what in particular, we started to figure out order of operations. We started to see how, like, as the action as the actions are resolved from left to right across the four columns of the card table. You can start to anticipate the way different card effects are going to interact and what the final state of play is going to be by the time all the cards have fired from left to right. And so as we started to leverage that, we started being able to make some really sick plays and, um, And so you started to have the real satisfaction of we were arriving at some hard battles, particularly some boss battles. Like we hit the trapper again, which killed us last time. Mm -hmm. Um, And he went red eyes again and brought out like the (laughs) grizzly phalanx again. (laughs) And Uh. I just want to point out, Rob, that
0: um, I died a lot in this game early on, like just wrapping my head around like how it works before I felt like confident moving forward. Never encountered the Grizzlies because as kind was pointed out to you, like it's there yeah. for most players to set them back so that you explore the cabin, get some of the cards, figure out some of the puzzles, then go back in, apply your lessons and like move forward. Like I when, I didn't know what kind of was talking, he's like, well, oh, we got the Grizzlies. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I was like the game. <laughs> the game never was even forced to offer the Grizzlies. Oh. up. The game was just like. Patrick you have not. <laughs> no. I you're you're not good. You're good. They. The grizzlies would just be too punishing. We would scare you away from the game like right. just keep just keep coming back.
1: So yeah, so the game like yeah, they start send, sending like waves of grizzlies at you which are a 4-6 card. So if you have four columns with grizzlies uh, on them and then four more behind them if they're cleared off the board, uh, what you're sort of faced with is you're you're going to be eating 16 damage a turn. Five will kill you. <laughs> uh so you're you're pretty much done. Um but we had like Natalie has really good deck building instincts. Uh she had made some card upgrades that proved super clutch. Um and we were sort of, we we were sort of faced with this problem and the thing that we've kept we we've kept struggling with is that because you see the next move, you can see what what the guy is bringing onto the board. We keep thinking of it in terms of we have to plan for the next turn. We mm-hmm. forget that like if you just get that little needle to touch five, mm-hmm. five points of damage, the yep. game is done. Yeah. Like there is no there is no next turn. It's you, just you don't have to done. take
0: out all of the enemies on the board if you can focus all of your damage on two open slots or yeah. one open slot and just do enough damage to finish it off.
1: And so Natalie and I are looking at this situation that looks pretty unwinnable. Um like we don't have much in the way of, uh, like, we don't have, like, our best card is already on the board. It can't kill a grizzly in one hit. <laughs> um, and it can't kill the guy in one hit. It's a, it's a four, four card. It's the, uh, Orboros. Um, and OP, OP. Uh, yeah. This O-P. is the, this is the thing. Like, so, we're sitting there. It starts four four, right? It starts 1-1, so like one, one.
0: One. One, Okay, but each All time right,
1: it yeah. dies, it gains one hit, one strength, one power, one health. Right, right, right.
0: right. And then, and and then so- now, 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 imagine Rob, uh, how that card works. And then if you stumble into on the on the map, you know the 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 one that lets you upgrade uh, when you're around, like the the fire, and you get a random upgrade trait. I would almost always assigned. The snake, if, if the power upgrade came up so that like you just start with even like a higher base level for the snake. Well, or, like I remember the one of the runs I had no. was just like just this over overwhel- like a boa constrictor.
1: Basically, <laughs> it was just like, sorry, like once the card's on the board, like we're done. <laughs> well, so Natalie just won an argument about how we'd upgrade it. And she had suggested we get the um sort of flank firing. Uh, thank oh, you got it, that
0: on, on, on the the snake.
1: <laughs> and so that's key. This is the key. Um, yeah, no shit. So, mm-hmm. the thing is, next to the Orboros was Long Elk, which had Leaf, uh, Death Touch on it. Mm-hmm. And so, it took us a while to see. Uh, but there's real like finally, like it sort of hit me that, like, wait, Oro is a 4 4 right now. But if it dies and comes back, because it returns right to your hand, mm-hmm. if it dies and comes back, it'll be a 5-5 five, five card. And then I realized it's sitting next to a card that kills whatever in its lane. And so, like, the Elk, if it killed that Grizzly, the 5-5 five, five Orboros would just win us the game. But the question is, how do we get the points on the board? Well, we had an infinite card. It wasn't Cat, it was Child 13, which yeah. you sacrifice it, and it can be sacrificed again. So we... Brought out, uh, we we sacrificed the Orboros. Brought out Child Thirteen. Sacrificed Child Thirteen to bring out a Skink that we didn't even want. Mm-hmm. But now we can sacrifice Child Thirteen and Skink. Got the two blood to bring Oro back out. Put next to Long Elk. Long Elk kills the Grizzly. The Oro fires into the blank space and kills him. <laughs> Incredible! <laughs> it's um, amazing. And like, but like, it sounds really obvious when I lay it out like that. And mm-hmm. like, the the thing is, like, this was we must have stared at that board for ten minutes. Yeah, easy. And I did say to be clear, I did see in the chat people like saying sack Oro, and I was like, "What? Well, we can't bring him back out." Like, this is the thing I was getting stuck on. Is I was like, first, why? Like. Why should we sacrifice Oro? Because I don't think we can bring him back out. But what does that get us? So that is like if people are wondering, like, did I see Did I get a hint from chat? I did. And it was people were telling <laughs> he, me to make and moves he dismissed that, it. <laughs> it didn't make sense to me. That was I didn't right, want to read. Right, like, right. I, I know right, that I people it. were probably posting the solution. I like I didn't read it, um, which is kind of mortifying when you go back. To see where <laughs> I am in the in my like, I know where I was in my thinking and I see people posting the solution and you just watch as we continue to debate and discuss for several more minutes. Yeah, this it is so, just so fascinating. Connor, I'm curious how you played the game, but my.
0: I think I'm curious how much of this is them playing this on stream uh-huh. and thus you play a game differently. And I played this game incredibly fast when I was playing it by myself. There were times when I stopped and like when you get to bosses and you've got to like try and think a little bit ahead. Yeah. But by and large, I found it to be a game that I was not spending a whole lot of time like going, like having a debate um, over what I'm going to do next unless I was up against the wall and I was like doing what they did here, which was a puzzle. But watching the bits I've watched of their stream, there's a lot of them doing that. It's like really talking through like do this or that, like this or that. And uh, it's really elongating the play, and maybe that's resulted in them having uh, one of the reasons they've had longer runs. But I always found myself just sort of just instinctually doing things like, I oh, do I want my deck? Do I want a squirrel? Like da 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 da. Um, and I just over time, learned enough about how the game works that like I just could read the board in a way that I didn't have to like sit and have those debates. Like, yeah. did you? Were you just, like the snails pace approach to like playing the game, in which they were, or were you more like me, in which it was sort of like? Just kind of keep sh- like shuffling through runs and then just over time you kind of like build up calluses on on how to read it.
2: Yeah, it was it was kind of a it was a mix in that like. I can also read the type of game it is really quickly, right? right? Like I have right. the experience of playing Magic the Gathering, you know, loved Slay of the Spire, loved card games in general, but I wouldn't I hit Grizzlies on my first run. And I was like, something else is going on in this game. Like, I started then to focus on the kind of puzzles and the way that the cards that talk, like, give out hints. And so, like, I would try to kind of get quickly because it seems to be giving me more stuff the more runs I did. And then I, like, started to worry less about specific, like, especially the lower-end encounters. I would generally kind of and then there's um there's ways that the game gives you to break it in a way where you can basically outpace what the game is throwing at you you know so it was really like uh thinking about it less as like there was there's a moment where i stopped thinking about it as a a deck like rogue build uh, a <laughs> deck like a roguelike deck builder <laughs> and started thinking about it as an overall puzzle space that I'm trying to figure the way out of, right? Like an escape room where the card game is one segment of that, right? Right. And so, like, I did start going much, uh, in general, much quicker because I was a little, like, a little less worried about starting a new run because I would get a death card, and the death cards tend to be a little bit overpowered if you get the right pull of things. So I was like, oh, if I get enough of these, I'll just blow through it and it'll be fine, right? Like.
1: So uh, I I would also say, like, in general, when Austin and I played XCOM, we played so much more carefully than I ever do at home, really. It's right. like, because it's more fun to go through the mental gymnastics of like right. anticipating a role when you have someone to bounce ideas off of and yeah. you're like collaborating on like, okay, so how do we think this really works? And the thing is, if you're playing by yourself, you don't really care because like, I'll just, if I'm wrong, I will learn that and I'll just figure this out eventually. But and it's all, but all right. you, you, yeah. you, you even do that when you're solo streaming,
0: right? Yeah. Like that's what I mean. Like we're streaming necessitates a certain amount of like, conversation um yes. that slows things down as yes. has you walking through your mental process so the audience understands like the clicking and, and selections you're making and so um i do think that is actually partial like probably contributed to like the longish elements of these runs because you and like there are frequently times where i'd make a mistake Is like ah shit yeah i guess that was pretty obvious like if i just thought about that for more than a second but it's so quick to get into another
1: game like this is me playing slay the spire where You're like right right, yeah. right I like I remember playing it uh, during one of the during a save point with like Austin and Natalie and like the game was very slow and they were like anticipating like how the card effects would all work and how a turn would go together. And, like, sometimes I do that when it's, like, a tough boss battle in Slay the Spire. But, like, if I'm firing up Sp- Slay the Spire at 11 at night, it's basically because I want to walk up to that table. It's, like, casino, like, <laughs> at night, where it's, yeah. I just want the action. Yeah. I, just, I just want the vibe. <laughs> uh, so, just, I'm slapping that pack of cigarettes down on the table just to a drink <laughs> and being, like, all right, deal me in. Uh, so we We pull that off, and then some wild shit happens uh First of all, we gotten another death card from someone else, like someone else's death card uh mm-hmm. named Kaminsky was just in our deck, and I was like, there's only one death card from us; we'd only died once. <laughs> this wasn't us. this was someone else's death card um We get into a boss battle uh. The moon attacked the moon attacked. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. 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 after here. I will say I after I blew through the first phase of a battle because like, I had a pretty sick play uh, yeah. like no, in mind. Good. So we just like battle started immediately ended moon comes down and then Natalie like. She and I have a long debate about how we're going to fight the moon. <laughs> because neither of us can believe that Kaminsky this this car that's kind of shit when we got it but has death touch on it neither of us can believe that death touch will just work on the moon mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. death touch works on the moon <laughs> so yep. we have our whole like here's how we're gonna fight this battle here's let's, we're taking on the moon turn one goes before any of the cards that we brought out do anything Kaminsky goes blink and the moon dies uh, the the it, I, the equivalent.
0: This can't be. This can't be how this is gonna work. The game is gonna counter this. Was my and I did this both times fighting the moon because I just ended up. Uh, one time was ax an and the other time I tried to work it towards it that way was, I forget the the card, but the one that's got the you know stinky poo that like takes down you know one power. Yeah. Well, that moon only has one power, and so if you place the card, it turns it to zero, and then the, it just gives up. It goes, oh, huh. Well, you got me. Uh, and then it just sits there while you attack it for three turns. Does nothing. Like, it just admits, def- like, uh, there's a dialogue choice that or a dialogue bit that's just like, shit. All right. Huh. Hmm. Uh, and then it just, and the, the fact that both of us ended with, like, finding what felt like a, a loophole, like a trick. Yeah. And then yeah. the game acknowledges that. Uh, is, is a delight because when that happened, it was, uh, the first time it happened was a, for me, was an accident. It was just like, okay, well, it's going to pull out a knife, dice up the card and, you know, like it'll do something because that's not how, this isn't how games work. Games don't let you do things, uh, like this.
1: So all that was good. all that was good, like great card game action. Like we were super high, like legitimately just like adrenaline coursing through me uh, <laughs> for for a lot of that stream. And we kill the moon, and we're told we won. More fucked up stuff happens, and then found footage. Like, found footage story about a (laughs) card game YouTuber. What's his name? The Lucky Carter. The Lucky lucky Carter. Carter. (laughs) Hey! (laughs) Dude, and at that point I was like, oh. This is I this is how they really got Patrick too. It's like in the middle of this it's like <laughs> look at this poor schlep bringing his camera off to the, off into the woods to go like hunt up an obviously cursed fucking card game. Oh yeah, so, <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> soon as soon as as soon as inscription turns yep. into a, a Blair Witch project
1: uh uh <laughs> sequel I okay, here we buckle in, here we so, go. <laughs> and so Natalie and by the way, Kato, I do have to give a shout out to you. Mm. without giving anything away you had been weirdly insistent when we were doing yeah. checking on the stream i was like yeah i checked to make sure it works it's gonna be fine and he was like but so you skip past like the opening titles like the opening credits and i was like yeah but like who gives a shit and he was like that's mm, part of the game <laughs> and i was like there's probably like oh, for christ's sake kato like who gives a shit it did not occur to me until yesterday that it's very important that you hear the start of the game the guy going okay, let's see what's on this thing. And the yep. sound of the little 3.5 floppy drive spooling up uh, and the computer being to read the game. Um, because otherwise it wouldn't have made sense on the stream. Uh, and it wouldn't have made sense to Natalie that like we are now catching up at the start of the loop of this game. And we are mm-hmm. now, we at least have an idea of what the game within the game is, um, yeah. but there might be a third layer Cause like I have a theory that like Kaminsky is Camworks, like that. The card we got someone else's death card belongs to this dude. We see firing up this game uh, in this, in this footage Uh, and possibly in a really grainy Blair witch style thing. I think he gets killed. Like he's like, I did it. I won. And then you hear like a soft gunshot and the camera just falls the fuck over onto the ground. And so I'm like, I think, I think, when you beat this guy, he just kills you. Because um, <laughs> certainly we were, we were forced to take another. We were forced to take a victory card, and then oh right, which he puts up on the wall. Yeah, right? like with the the target. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And meanwhile, we are started back over as a new deck, and the guy's talking about how it seems like we're a new player, uh, and so it's all fucked up. And I love it. I love it. Like I am sitting here and I'm just like, first of all, more rules have changed, so the game is different yet again. Um, there's more stuff going on, but dude, the main thing is just like, I love the I love the card game. Card game's good. Now I'm like, okay, what the fuck is going on with yep. the inscription physical card game that Lucky Carter's fucking with? And then what's this disc? And what are we in? What is this world? Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, I am all in.
2: It's I feel like the way they dole out the information like kind of the order that it comes out at you is so good too of just like by the time you reach the end of a run like that's that's how you unlock the first set of uh uh videos is you get have to get to the end of and beat the moon right once and that's the only time which means. For a lot of people, you'll have gone through and unlocked some of the other things. And you kind of really got your mind around how the game works before you're... At that point, there's like a certain level of mastery where like, okay, now I'm just doing runs because I have to like do it the right way. Like get get the final run or whatever. But then they throw in this other meta layer on top of that at that moment of like, oh, hey, no, there's something else here. There's more to it than... than mastery over the card game which is also the moment where i was like this is a really cool super stylish really fun game so far but now it's like oh i'm like really really hooked into like wanting to know, find out more about this meta narrative
1: it's an amazing escape room with an awesome card game in the middle of it like is is kind of how it feels and yeah i am just utterly hooked um so natalie and i i think we're going to try to get a session in maybe next week before the holiday break um i'm not sure it's like definitely now the the spirit is with us uh i think we both came out of that stream yesterday being like if we had not had other shit to do we would have been like okay let's break for coffee and uh reconvene in like 15 minutes (laughs) Uh, Kato, uh cancel all your plans. Uh, tell your cat you won't be home because uh, we're 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 beating Inscription.
0: Yeah. Uh, so well, anyway, and look and look at this, like this uh, this link that I just put in a chat. Someone pointed this out to me. I had forgotten about it. Um, that like a lot of the basis of inscription um, is and in, uh, was a game jam game. Um, like this like yeah. this, this card concept being stuck in the cabin, sacrifice like th- like a lot of you know obviously a lot a lot happened after that but um the like a a lot of the foundational work was in this sacrifices must be made game that was made in forty eight hours which is d- d- wild um uh I now want to download this and see what the ending is apparently this is like short you just have to win one round which would probably be like not hard with all of the yeah, knowledge it of the game ten minutes uh, to
2: to complete yeah it's that's...
0: probably just long enough to understand the rules and then it, then it's over but yeah. um yeah um definitely if, if folks want to check that out um they should they should uh give it give it a look yeah absolutely um, oh well, one thing as uh to before we uh uh take a break um jason schreier over at bloomberg um published a piece uh i'll read his tweet rob it says uh, oh go ahead." sorry
2: rob don't look at that thing that patrick posted
0: i will cl- close the tab close the tab do not spoilers spoilers in the comments Oh, okay. Well, you <laughs> shouldn't, shouldn't be reading comments to begin with, Kato. Um, uh Xbox boss uh, Phil Spencer has joined the course of a new professionals criticizing active blizzard-telling staff in an email obtained by Bloomberg that Xbox is, quote, evaluating all aspects of our relationship with the embattled publisher. Um, all right, and this is the, for the first time that I think that that fucker might be toast. Cool. Um, uh, that... P- Part of my skepticism over like the – or saying what a low bar for like Jim Ryan over at PlayStation to say they found it troubling. It is, it is an elevation of rhetoric to say evaluating all aspects of our relationship. Like, mm. again, as Kyle mentioned, mo- money, economic pressure is like – is everything in these situations, whether it's the organization of labor or it is financial partners, you know – threatening to let's say you know not go forward on marketing deals worth hundreds of millions of dollars yeah. um which is the kinds of things you'd be talking uh, about here um and the fact that spencer writes something like that in a memo knowing it's going to get leaked like you don't write those memos thinking they're going to stay <laughs> internal those are <laughs> those are essentially statements to the press without being yeah. statements of the press because you can be more candid than you can in something that's got to go through a corporate communications filter um uh yeah, I think I think he's done. I I'm I like I'm not gonna be shocked
1: if by the end of this podcast it's like, all right, we have another update. Like <laughs> if
0: God has <gets> resigned. <laughs> this is also um, a week where Phil Spencer God. was like,
1: NFTs seem kinda of grimy and exploitative, right? He said yeah. NFTs were yeah, uh, based Phil Spencer. Um yeah. uh out here saying <laughs> See, NFTs This is how you end up getting captured by like CEO fandom. Like yeah. you just in a in a like rogues gallery of fucking Ugh. ghouls. <laughs> like you got one guy sounding like a person and suddenly you're just like, I'm going to put a little heart around a picture of him and I'm just going to hang it on my wall. Uh Well, it's two things. It was, it was yes. Yeah, saying
0: that NFTs, not that he was just skeptical or that like maybe they're interesting applications, but actually ev- all evidence so far, uh these seems to be exploitative. Um But then the other one, was uh and these both come out of an interview with um steven titill over at axios uh uh which he said uh emulation should be legal like the industry should be looking towards a path to allowing people to like play the video games that they already purchased um you know i think he described it as like that's an he's he doesn't have the answers on how that would work um but they said that's kind of a north star for the industry would be notable and you know on one hand, it's it's just like you said, Rob. Like this is how you end up standing and calling an executive based um, when it's it's not as though he's suggesting. And I've spoken with our legal team, and we are not going to take legal action against torrents related to Xbox One games that we did not add word backwards compatibility to.
1: That is not that is right. not what they're saying. Phil here. Spencer's not, not going to be like get that shit off the store. <laughs> like suddenly, I, I, like Call of Duty stops working. <laughs>
0: Um, but it's, it's, that is, that is a notable escalation of rhetoric and, uh, that's, that is the kind of stuff that gets people pushed out. Um, and and again,
1: it's, it's like, also these are like kind of peers in some ways. Right. And so it's, it is a way to sort of represent, uh, not to unearth a horrible like resistance era phrase, but like, it is sort of a way to signal this is not normal and we're not going to treat your company as if it's like going through normal business shit. Like this is uh, right. an exceptional situation and exceptions like can and should be made.
0: Yeah, and um, I, I think this, and, and this is also what companies do if you want to be cynical. Um, earn cynicism is like, we, we don't want to deal with this shit. Like, could you please like do the, 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 the smart thing, which is to fire this guy and bring someone else in so that we don't have to answer these messy questions. Um, uh, and again, it, it all leads to, Hopefully, Kodak being gone, so we'll, yeah. we'll take it. But um, you know, it is also the kind of thing where like nobody wants to talk about this. Um, uh, so uh, could you just get that guy, get his ass out the door, so we can talk about something else? Because any interview that someone like Spencer does going forward, being a talkative guy, like he's going to get asked, like, so what do you think of that? And he's like, he doesn't want to. Answer. He wants to say, I'm
1: happy that they moved on from their existing leadership. Well, and also, I suppose if you want to be like extra, extra, like cynical too, like the longer something this goes on, are you starting to play? Uh, like, are you starting to play Russian roulette with an actual like labor issue uh, at your company? Because like, yeah, once it happens, once it, it happens other places, this tends to be the model. And so like industry wide, like nobody wants a major publisher to experience like actual labor unrest that, turns into possibly like a durable like organized labor movement.
0: No, you know, the, the, the best union busting that Activision Blizzard could do is just to fire
1: Bobby Kodak. Like, yeah. I don't mean <laughs> to be, you know, uh, uh, so crass, but, yeah. you know. Cause th- that's always the argument know. is like, see, we get, we take care of you. I mean, like, uh, uh-huh. Motherboard just had that great, that great article about Amazon <laughs> sending its uh, shells into the Staten Island warehouses to like convince these guys that, uh, you know, hey, you don't – why would you possibly want a union uh, when that would just stop you from having birthday treats, uh, birthday roundtables at, Act, at, uh, at Amazon? Because that's your chance to sort of let people know your concerns. That's always the argument is that why would you have a union that just comes between you and your proper uh, redress of grievances, which is, of course, to uh, <laughs> like, um, you know, lie prone before the throne. And and plead Mm -hmm. with a manager to do something. Uh, So, yeah, I I do. Boy, that is interesting news. uh, The way he is. He's starting to get frozen out. Uh, As I said, we'll we'll continue to look at that situation. Now, I'm even more uh, curious to uh, see how it all, all how it all pans out. Uh, yep. And hey, if anyone knows just more about Phil Spencer, I just want to know like what's this <laughs> whole deal. Like anyone got cool uh, based Phil stories? Um, we <laughs> let's have Phil Spencer. What t-shirts does he wear in the office with <laughs> iconic IP <laughs>
0: that people would like to come back? Uh, all right, uh, he, see, he seems like a, he seems like a nice guy. <laughs> all things considered,
1: we're gonna take a quick break and then, uh, in honor of Phil Spencer, we're gonna talk about hey, Halo. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Damn. Oh no, it's already begun. Uh back with you after a break. coffee is lukewarm and i thought maybe i should microwave this for a few seconds but i realized patrick might hear me do that and uh <laughs> decided no i will just drink this lukewarm that's uh, why you
0: got buddy you gotta get is this hot mr coffee warmer thing on my desk is like the best i've got tens
1: of thousands of dollars of, of first of all of i'm not even in this convinced house. that thing uh doesn't sort of break down the oils uh, the sort of <laughs> it probably does, flavor. but it
0: it keeps that second half of the the coffee warm enough for me to it's finish. It's just about it temperature; the...
1: it's about flavor.
0: Cato, back me up here.
2: I've never let a coffee go cold. I do not understand people who can't finish a coffee before it goes cold. What?
1: Well, sometimes you make it in a big French press that you have plenty of coffee for your mighty thirst, and <laughs> your mug doesn't have an entire French press's worth of space yeah, in dude, it. That's so. so you're not, you're, coffee. you're not like just that's, fucking that's, sipping that's out of so the much,
0: French press. That's so much coffee to drink. Like in, it goes cold in like twenty minutes. Like that's I don't know. So I don't fast. know. I guess I've
2: just got my fucking uh, amount of coffees down pat.
1: I just always okay. Drink hold it on. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> Like before you finish donning a, you donning your cape, let's get real. You're drink like fully half the time, you're drinking la Cologne treats from a can.
2: Yeah. yeah, a quarter of the time, I'll give you that. But you know, it's a single serving. It's also it's also a cold a cold coffee drink. Yes. So it doesn't that's matter.
0: Like, so, yeah, that's like way Okay.
2: <laughs> you're just No, but I, you know, I've got you you got this is why I like the AeroPress. It always makes like the perfect amount of coffee for me.
1: AeroPress is great. Love it. Got my Love special it. AeroPress beans. Uh, you know, it's it's delicious. Delicious. All right. So, Patrick. what coffee does Phil Spencer drink? <laughs> we have to know uh, if anyone knows what coffee Phil Spencer uh, does. Has anyone like know he- what would he like us to send? Um, <laughs> he does he
2: have, a, send
1: does he, have he have an Amazon uh, wish list that I can buy some things on? God. Uh, so, from the house that Phil built, uh, we have, (laughs) we have Halo, Halo Infinite. Uh, Patrick, you've been, you've been playing it before the show. We also mentioned that. I don't, I'm gonna, I I don't know if I can say that part. (laughs) Okay.
2: All right.
1: (laughs) Cut that part. I might
2: bleep that out. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so, Patrick, how are the Halos?
0: Ah, man, I had, so... I think Halo 4 and 5 sucked. (laughs) I I beat them. I played them. Um, My love for Halo goes back, like, really far. Like, I have so many fond memories of that first game, especially playing multiplayer. Like, I don't remember, I I, in enshrined in my brain are very few multiplayer maps, but it's like Facing Worlds from Unreal Tournament and Blood Gulch from the original Halo. Like, that's it. Um, and I mean, I I played Halo, you know, the original to the point of, uh, you know, like co-oping on Legendary, doing like solo Legendary runs with my friends to see how far could someone get in a map um, and like just passing the controller. Uh, like Halo is just so emblazoned in my memory. And Halo 2 uh, came out when I was in college. I think I told the story on a stream. I don't think I've done it on a podcast, but... Um, someone down da- in, in the dorm I was in down the hall, uh, if you remember Halo 2 leaked early because it was stolen off of a truck in France, I believe. Um, and so the French version of Halo 2 goes online onto tor- like early torrents, uh, early and not a bunch of. Not a ton of people on our dorm floor had a DVD burner. Like CD burners, pretty common. DVD burners, less common. But one one of one dude had a, a pretty nice uh, computer, um, and he downloaded Halo Two. I had a modded Xbox because I was reviewing games for GMR and Xbox Nation and some um, like you know two uh, thousands Ziff uh, Davis publications um, around EGM, and so we <laughs> like. One person had access to the DVD ROM, uh, DVD R. I had access to the the Xbox that could play that DVD R, um, and uh, we. Um we would we didn't charge money, but we made a list of people who were able to come into my dorm room to play Halo 2 forty eight <laughs> hours early. Um, and it was uh delightful, which is which is all just to say, like I've this series has meant a lot to me. Like has been pretty involved uh in a lot of like formative years of playing video games. Um and so I stuck with it through Halo th- I, I liked Halo Three quite a bit um halo reach i wanted to like more than i d- did I, th- I think it's a good game um and halo, halo odst is like my heart uh was was taken by that one it, it is it is probably like halo one That's a cool halo weird o- one
1: right like it's the, it's it's the, the cool, one weird of these one. Is not like the others
0: had a jazzy soundtrack um had a kind of a hub and spoke uh uh, structure so that you're like coming back to the central area and going out to different places, um, which doesn't sound re- revelatory except in a halo game, you're, you're like, you dropped in the level, you go from point a to point B and then you go to the next one. And so it felt, it felt novel in, in a halo game. And then, you know, Bungie goes off to want to make destiny. Um, and, uh, Microsoft uh, basically, you know, uh, lets them go after having purchased them, but they kept the Halo IP as a part of that. Build an internal studio, three four three Industries, to uh, start making Halo games. And you know, Halo Four, I gave credit at the time for being, hey, like you made a Halo game that feels like Halo. That doesn't seem like a like an easy thing to do. And so the fact that I don't really know what's going on in this plot and it doesn't feel that unique. I'm going to kind of hand wave away as like, look, you spent a couple of years building a halo game. Now I'm curious what you'll do next. And then they made Halo five, which I, I really didn't, didn't like, also could not follow the plot. Like it was just, these games just seemed like a mess in the hands of three, four, three. And it felt very endemic of a, uh, or emblematic of a, uh, a, a a kind of approach to making games that Microsoft got in a run in post Xbox three, like uh, towards the end of the 360. uh, cycle of, like, we'll just keep making Gears of War games, we'll keep making Halo games, and we're not building new IPs, uh, we're not building new worlds, and they just kept making Halo games, despite the fact that that franchise has
1: felt like you are just, like, squeak you blood out of a rock. Mm. It was done, like, like, yeah, and you're just inventing new quests the, for... The fact Bungie for caps G- it off by, like, let's go back to the beginning and do the prequel, but, like, there is no mm-hmm. more G, like... I sure am excited to know what follows. The okay, quick aside though. You know who solved this problem in a fascinating, fascinating way is the Wing Commander series. The Wing Commander series has multiple games where it's a similar thing. It's a trilogy about fighting the Kilrathi, the giant cat mm-hmm. people. Yeah, those the cat people. Yeah, exactly. I remember. In Wing Commander three, they win the war. We don't need to get into how or what <laughs> may happen to the cat people at the end of Wing Commander three. Mm-hmm. Uh oh but Wing Commander... Uh, like some mild genocide, Rob? Like, what, what occurred? Cat people may have had it coming if it did <laughs> that way. Wow. Uh, but either way, uh, they're gone, and what they do next in, in Wing Commander 4, spoilers for Wing Commander 4, <laughs> Before we get around to our
0: Wing Commander 101, would love to replay one of those games one day, though. I, that, I loved those games. So,
1: crucial information, by the way, Wing Commander 3, where they introduce FMV... They cast to mm-hmm. play Admiral Talwin, who's sort of the heroic leader of the human war effort, um, a hard but fair, brilliant uh, commander, Malcolm McDowell. Yes. And as we know, a Malcolm McDowell on the wall, if a Malcolm McDowell is on the is, is on the wall at the start of Act One, by the end of the by the end of the series, he will have gone off. Um when they make Wing Commander 4, they're like, okay, so what happens when you have all these like Extremists who've won their war and there's no more war to fight. Well, obviously they're going to become twisted fascists who have to invent new enemies. Ooh. And so, Wing Commander Four is, uh, your hero and your old boss, um, has gone all the way bad, and you kind of you you have to go put him down. Like that's like it's it's realizing that like he's he's lost it. He the, the rot's got, gone all the way in. Uh And you have to start like ripping apart this paranoid uh war machine that he's built um and so that's that's how they solve that. I could see like where Halo Three ends up, maybe you do start to address the fact that like you know though it's not like master Chief was the product of a great society in a lot of ways But instead <laughs> yeah, like, like yeah like
0: the the program that was you know created run by was it Haldi, yeah, uh, to like produce like the Spartan program. Pretty gross, like you know. Maybe there's some rock that when Master Chief finds his way out of space, uh, could go uh, go run some congressional investigations into to the
1: Spartan Right, so, mm-hmm. Yeah, like Halo Four <laughs> should have been Moon Two or something like that, right? Like, <laughs> yes, Senator. Let me tell you what's happening out there uh, on the front. But yeah, but instead, I think that happens in the um, like some of the novelizations that happen around halo but i think the main game has still been very much like "Woo, master chief is here oorah marines i mean it
0: is and it isn't in in the sense that like part of what was like a lot of the issues with four and five was that it halo's always had uh a convoluted mythology but there was like a a nice through line of well you got master chief and you've got cortana and you got to fight the covenant right like that's that's that kind of takes you through um Th- those arcs of games that Bungie was involved in. And then four and five really like, you know, what people love the mythology of Halo. Um, uh, Patrick, I, mean,
1: I made it through all you of You got any <laughs> of them progenitor races in there? Is, is that what is it? What is that? Precursors? Is that a Halo reference? I'm just
0: saying, like, is there any like sort of alien races? Yeah, Do well, I you got four Forerunners are a big part of the the, the original trilogy. Yeah. Like that's like, you know, the, the you know, but there's it. I couldn't even explain to you what happens in four or five because, it's like pulling from books, and it's just a complete fucking mess. Anyway, this is all just to say I I, I've, I felt like I was at a real sour place with the Halo franchise. I've, you know, I I also post-college, like, I just don't play multiplayer games anymore, anymore. So it's like I've heard that Halo 4 and 5's multiplayer was pretty good. But as someone that was mostly here to play the bombastic single-player campaigns, I you know, I was just – I don't think 343 has it. I don't think they've – know what to do with this franchise and they certainly don't know how to reinvent it um because doing sort of the samey copy stuff in four and five was certainly not not doing it for me um and, and in many ways that's like part of my dislike that disappointment like just carried over into destiny when it was like oh no Bungie doesn't want to do this anymore either and the t- the ways they're attempting to do it in destiny <laughs> suck ass um or 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 not what i wanted they were going in a patrick doesn't mean direction. that he
1: doesn't know what he's talking about
0: oh the, the, the campaign in Destiny 1 was a complete trash fire yeah, um, no no
2: the campaign really was fucking horrible
0: and, and that's what it's, I mean where I felt like I was squeezed on both sides yeah. it was like okay fine like Halo Halo is not great now but they're doing Destiny and they've got all this cool multiplayer stuff but they're still doing the campaign I can get I can I can get that out of it in this brand new system new universe and then Destiny 1 reveals like eh, We don't really want to do this stuff, and this is kind of just here so that we can sell the game to people like you and sucker you into playing a bad campaign. Would you like to do this persistent multiplayer? Anyway, Halo Infinite's pitch uh, is uh, – was in a similar place to Elden Ring, which is like – the pitches are similar, which is, hey, that thing you like, that you like a lot, (laughs) what if we put that in an open world? But – Not really explain to you what that means, Um, you know. And I think you know with Elden Ring, it the the part of that is just that FromSoft's a very secretive developer. Like they kind of build their games in a box, and then when they're ready to talk about them, they'll explain to you everything that's going on, you know, to the to the degree that you can understand it, right? And I think we're in that cycle with Elden Ring, where the 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 gameplay video they put out, the uh um you know kind of the the network tests, like pretty uh, concretely answers here is what we're doing with this open world, um. Uh, and in Halo's case, that game is unveiled a year ago, uh, last summer, uh, and well, I guess two summers ago uh, at this point, <laughs> um, uh, in the lead up to the launch of the Xbox uh, Series X and Series S, uh, and is so disastrous. Um, so it's just a tiny glimpse of like one level, but it's like... It just it immediately becomes a meme, a joke. The game is buried by Microsoft. Um, they bring in one of the old Bungie folks, uh uh Joe Stan uh Joe the Stan? Staten? Stan. Um, what if he was there the original Halo days? Uh and basically just like, we're gonna work on this for another year and we'll see ya. Um and even up until this point, I have not felt that they've been really forthright about like what is this game what are you doing like what is this big map and so i've had a chance to play um i don't know it's not really like divided into acts, but like kind of the first area that you're you're dropped in i should back up the first couple the first couple hours of this game are just linear halo levels this is not like an elden ring breath of the wild situation where boot up the game master chief awakes and then like a door opens and like look at this big big, beautiful landscape go start exploring instead it's hey we're gonna start you know in media res uh not explain where the story is at necessarily um but you're gonna go through some like kind of corridory traditional uh halo levels before we get you to down to the ring um where you're gonna explore something that uh Uh, Really evokes uh, sort of like the silent cartographer aesthetic from Halo 1. You know, like beach, jungles, hills, things things of that nature. Um, And so when you get there, like that's what I was trying to answer with the handful of hours that I've I've put into the game. I've played like the first four campaign missions plus like the 15 to 20 side things that you can do in this area. And the thing I was trying to figure out was like when you see them add like this grapple hook, uh, when you see you've got this big space – The question that I'm thinking is, okay, is this just a big way to hide a bunch of smaller things like traditional halo encounters, things you would do, but you're just kind of like traversing to it in a different way? Or is this like an Elden Ring or Breath of the Wild in which like, hey, you've got this big space and also you've got this traversal equipment that lets you get through that space in a new novel way. Um, Looking up that hill, like maybe there's something behind there. Like what's, where does this lead to? Uh, and Elden Ring is very much like go see where that leads to, and Hale Infant is very much like don't see where that leads to because it doesn't lead to anything. <laughs> um, like that that hill is just a hill, and unless the map has marked it with there's something there, there's just no reason for you to go uh, exploring. Um, and the you know. To have that uh, revealed to be the case with Halo Infinite is is some in some ways a bit of a disappointment. Um, but it's also useful for it to be clarifying uh, in terms of like, what are you doing in this game? Mm-hmm. It really is, at least in what I've played, maybe it changes as it goes along, as the map gets bigger. Maybe there's different biomes, different level designs. I don't know. But a lot of what you're doing in Halo Infinite is you get out into this ring and you have like access to this kind of like slice of geography of the ring. You can't get to certain other places because there are just bridges that are too big of gaps. Like you, you can't get across them and you have no access to flying vehicles until it seems like probably gonna be pretty late into the game. Um, you have these bases that are like occupied by the banished, which is the new kind of like covenant split off faction, uh, with these big like brute animal types that, um, have that are, are like kind of like the leadership class. Uh, and when you capture those you get some banished intel and what that banished intel is hey we're going to mark some spots on your map and these are going to be uh uh sort of like side missions uh like a uh like a military installation that repairs vehicles and you need to go there and not take out the enemies necessarily but take out like these gas uh like these fuel canisters so you're attaching uh you know, uh, uh, grenades to that to blow them up and take that out. Um, or you're going after, like, named one-off elite sort of characters in which the encounters are kind of unique and, like, the abilities of the uh, enemy are kind of unique or at least a little different than what you would normally encounter um, moment to moment in a in a Halo encounter. Uh, and then it's like, hey, uh, like, do you uh, want to upgrade your suit? You know, like, have your hookshot, you know, cool down faster? Like, got to go get the suit upgrades. And those are just like we have marked exactly where that box is on a map so you click that and it's like okay that's you know 400 kilometers or whatever away that's like a two minutes a, a driving three or four minutes of, of run, sprinting over there and you might think, oh maybe there's like some platforms kind of a puzzle to solve like something about that uh, no 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 just head to that waypoint maybe there'll be like a couple of covenant there or banished excuse me uh, to fight. Uh and then you just open up the treasure box and like you've got your your suit upgrade. Um so it's like there's animals running around, it's a big space, but I found myself like pretty disappointed by like what the world is. Um because it really does kind of just feel like big map big, big halo. Um is there stuff and, between you
1: and treasure box? Yes. Hey Kato, oh, you hear that? Um pretty cool god damn it
0: you know this doesn't have like a traditional like you know it's not like you're gaining xp or anything right like there's there's like motivations to uh go after mobs in you know like an elden ring because it's like hey like you you at least if you encounter right but number not even go up
1: the number does not uh go up it's just like Um, pieces of master chief kit are just like around yeah and and like okay so it's like a tornado hit a spartan garage set. (laughs) yeah shit okay i mean
0: they they attempt to do some environmental storytelling of like you know sometimes you'll come across these bits and you know the the weapons are laid out in a way or bodies are laid out in a way that's like oh a thing happened here and like maybe there'll be an you know an audio log for you to pick up i guess um but um you know it's, it's even to the point where you know, I'd look up in the sky and I would see like covenant banished ships, you know, going going overhead. What um, is and what is the difference? Is there a difference between the banished and the covenant? Yeah. Are there an, I mean, I, I was re- reading through a wiki. It's like you're thinking you might ask that question. Um, and <laughs> Kato, I could, would bet you the difference is important and you and I would care. Uh, well, they're 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 a covenant split. Like they they I think they're like they're a more group. radical. Okay, the splinter are like a radicalized splinter group right. from from the covenant. that were introduced in Halo Wars too. So this is not like going back mm. through. Like I was uh, meant to play that,
1: you know, dude. Halo War. Hey, I maybe really it's like Halo we- Wars. Halo Wars one, I didn't one play of them. <laughs> You yeah. you a Halo Wars guy, Patrick? Well yeah,
0: because it's like <laughs> okay. baby
1: baby strategy game. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, like let's play the baby strategy game. I didn't oh play the God. second one. I really
0: like I really liked the first one. Um I, you know, so and I, you know, I'm looking up over this ship going past me, and I was like, oh, like as I'm trying to unpack like how dynamic is this world, how much is changing, how much is me just encountering set pieces along the way. And like I look at this ship and I I happen to have a sniper rifle with me, and like as it goes by Take a peek inside, like there's no one in that ship, just just nothing. Like it's got that big old space for the, I don't know if those covenant ships are called, but you know where all all of the troops are in, you know, and it would get, comes down and they unload. Like there's no one in there, and it's like, oh, that's just a ship flying around to create a sense of atmosphere, but it it's not doing anything. Um, mm. but what I will say is like Halo Combat fucking ruled in <laughs> two thousand one. Halo Combat it's still pretty good in in 2021 I had this really uh funny encounter so one of the side objectives you have in Halo Infinite is that there'll be this sort of like marines who have been captured uh and you can free them and any all the side objectives that you're doing are feeding into what's called the valor system and that is uh a bar that you're feeding so that when you uh unlock base like different like a uh, forward operating bases fobs throughout the map um you can Call in over time like more and more interesting equipment, right? So it starts out like you can get like a mongoose, then you can get uh, you know, if you later on you'll be able to get a tank and you'll be able to get like air you know, air air support and things like that. And that uh as you're feeding that Valor system, um, uh, it'll spawn two or three Marines who can jump on a vehicle with you and like go on a go on a mission. Um and so I freed this 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 encampment, um, and like uh, got these these marines. They're all oohrah oohrah. Hey, chief, like let's go get them. Um, so they load into uh to my I forget what what's the
1: what's the th- I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell the master sergeant. You should hear the condescending impression Patrick does of you. Like, Matt, you think Master Chief's your friend, but Master Chief Patrick thinks you're lame.
0: <laughs> well. <laughs> what these Marines do God. after this would, would feed into my condescension, um, which which is that you know they they get on they get into my vehicle and I had one of these side objectives and I was like I'm gonna go up to this military facility. Um, so I put, one of the cool things that is afforded by the fact that you have the bigger space is you there are like legitimately different ways to approach encounters where it's like. I could come up to, like, you know, just storm through the gate. I can come up the side. I could use my grapple hook to scale the side, scout out the snipers, like, take them out, and uh, then, for example, like, this game has tons of explosives. Like, just shoot all the explosives. (laughs) Like, watch those, like, explode everywhere and allow chaos to ensue. So you do have some, some flexibility there. And so I'm figuring out, like man, what the fuck do I want to do? Like, how do I want to take this in? How do I do something a little different than the thing I did last time? So I had a sniper rifle, and so I'm like, look, looking out over the horizon line, like, taking in this architecture, and all of a sudden I hear... Oorah! And then one of my one of my boys has like a laser grenade launcher thing, whatever it's called, and just starts going boom, 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 and it's just <laughs> blasting the shit out of this base. Q, you know, 30 enemies just look at me and I'm like, well, I guess... We're in it now. <laughs> and then cu- and then two seconds later, I just see a sniper shot, like, aim up on Master Chief. And I have it on Heroic. So it's like, if a sniper shot hits you, like, you're done. Like, it's like you can't really survive that. And so my, my dumbass Marine buddy, like, just lights it up with the fireworks. And then uh, I immediately uh, go down. Yeah, and it was actually really that. funny. I wasn't frustrated at all. Like, Halo is a deeply silly game. Like, it is so self-serious with its... Narrative and I'm like oh, Master Chief, the weight of the galaxy, humanity on his shoulders. But then also, it's a game where like a grenade goes off, like you know, and it sh- it shoots a character model into the sky. Um, and so I found that to be deeply funny and like I was lean. It leans into that part in the open world in a way that I found uh, not just charming, um, but uh, worked for me. Like I- I- the game is not revelatory but it is fun and I am enjoying actually just doing the checklist. thing. Like, it's also not too many things to do, right? Like the problem with the Assassin's Creed games, is, like here's, here's a thousand of them. And like, here's like, I don't know. Here's 12. It's like, okay. Yeah. Like I could do, I can, yeah, I, can, do I can do 12. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, like <laughs> So I've been doing all of them. Like I, I did everything in the first area and in the second area that I can't, you know, talk about yet. Like th- I, another reasonable number of things to do before I could do the story objective and, and move on, on, on to the next one. So, um, yeah. Uh and the grapple hook's good. The grapple hook is uh <laughs> Rob is download getting ready. He just he's downloading Halo Wars. Um <laughs> I haven't played the second one. I'm not gonna replay Halo Wars. Um uh, <laughs> uh the grapple, I think it's the grapple shop, but it's a grapple hook. Um it is it is fun to use in the environment. It is fun. I did find a I used it in a moment uh last night to scale a piece of architecture that I was clearly not supposed to access until the end game when I would have a ship where I could just fly it to the top. And I found a really cool Easter egg um, uh, that I I was very much using. There's a uh, when you use the grapple, uh, the grapple hook. And if you aim it straight up or if you're going up, the physics line up with that where, like, the game, you get that speed and momentum. So I was able to just, like, slingshot Master Chief into the sky at the right angle and throw myself to the top of this uh, this building. And I expected nothing to be up there, and there was something up there. Um, and so there's, like, a rare case in which the game rewarded my curiosity. I just wish that happened more often. Um, but in, like, moment-to-moment combat, the grab hook is really neat. Like, the uh, the jackals, like, the, the dudes who hold the... Uh, Um, the skinny aliens that often have feathers on their head that hold Mm. the shields and so you either have to like use the plasma blaster to like get the shield to disappear like go up and melee them or like kind of shoot them through the like the the weird holes they have on the on the side Uh, here you just bop Hit them with that grapple hook and they go, ah, goddammit. it. And they, <laughs> they throw the shield up for a second and you can shoot them in the head. Um, you upgrade the, the grapple hook and you can add electricity to it. So you can uh, like zap someone. So they're temporarily stunned or you can zap them and then pull yourself closer so that you could just b- bop them in the face while they're being electrocuted. All that stuff is like a, it's a really well needed wrinkle. It makes the, it like gives just enough dynamism to the combat where, I, you know, it's got that halo feel that I like, but there is something meaningfully different about what I'm doing moment to moment. So I don't know, kind of a confusing game. I do, I do like it. Um, and I actually think people are going to like it quite a bit. I just found myself a little disappointed by the lack of imagination um in, in the world. But once I guess I understood, once I understood the rule set, I was like, okay, it isn't that game. Like just go do the objective markers. Like I made peace with it and have enjoyed, have enjoyed that part of it.
1: Alright, well it sounds yeah, I mean, my interest is still peaked. Um I like I'm Halo Halo's in such a in such a bind in some ways, right? Because like the thing is it's the ultimate don't fix don't don't fix when ain't broke uh kind of game. And so on the one hand, like they always have to cue, I think, in the direction of conservatism. Yes. But also games have changed. Uh, I mean, and and that's, I mean,
0: like Destiny is just, they remade Halo. Like, I mean, it's more than that, but like, there's a (laughs) lot of Halo in Destiny, right? And by going, doing Destiny, you get to throw out all the things you didn't want to do in Halo anymore. And I think that's what, that's what 343, like, it's a blessing and a curse. People love Halo. People love Halo.
1: Well, and from what I understand is even the way they put three four three together was it was it was a lot of Halo true believers yes um sort of so the studio is sort of built on people who may have a less critical relationship with Halo than a lot of the people who like built and managed the franchise to to the point of its handoff right um so I think that's that's another wrinkle is like uh to a degree it always seemed like. If I were like a super fan of something and somebody handed me the keys to it and they were like and was like, OK, well, it's, you know, it's, your, it's yours now to carry on this legacy. I would be like, shit, I actually had much more fun just enjoying what was delivered. You know what I mean? I like I like seeing the movies. I didn't necessarily want to make them uh, would be would be kind of the response. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what uh, what they end up doing here with Infinite. Uh, real quick, guys, I have to go to a Company of Heroes 3 meeting in eight minutes. So we can have a wrap here uh, or I can bail and you can talk like Pokemon. Why um,
0: don't I kind of do let's do a brief. Yeah. Pokemon. It'll be and brief. then yeah, can, right. we can dig dig more into it on, on Monday and we, we right. can wrap because we got that meeting anyway that I want to I want to go to. All
1: right. Uh, Kato. Uh, so you've been playing Pokemon. Uh, yeah. Patrick said, fuck them. Pokemon.
0: Patrick, well, like, uh, what say I, you? I, th- I think. I think. Well, how do I I'll start? Oh, yeah, I'll, Pokemon. I'll pick up on it. It's Pokemon. It's it's Pokemon.
2: And what I had forgotten about Pokemon in its first four uh, generations. This is Generation Four, literally. So, it's the first DS game. Um, it was still kind of hard in the beginning, like. There's uh, certain things that later games have set up, like um, being able to access the box system, where you keep extra Pokemon past your sit party of six. Uh, mm-hmm. That kind of um, act as a release valve at times. Uh, there's also like just design choices about where to put certain, like kind of the the caves are kind of like the most dangerous areas in Pokemon because instead of it being you can engage in uh, random encounters only in the the long grass, it's literally any step in a cave can have a random encounter in it. And so those have been traditionally kind of the more difficult areas in uh, Pokemon. And I had forgotten about the opening of this game. Uh, I've, like, lost, like, battles where, like... More modern ones, I've completely, like, gone through the whole game without losing, unless I, like, you know, decide to go in, like, ten levels under uh, a gym just to see, just to see in case. But, uh, like, this just, playing casually, have lost battles through here because, like the 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 thing i've realized about pokemon and i think they've added some of the some more modern uh move sets which do this a lot more is that the kind of uh, adjusting of attacks and like stats like there's this move on my machop that's called fi- uh, power up punch which does a certain amount of damage but also improves stats right So if that Machop gets up to, like, max stats in their attack, it doesn't matter the next thing that they send out. It'll already be maxed, and, like, you know, you start sweeping through their teams. Um, I don't know that the AI uh, enemies have always been the smartest about using that type of um, move where, like, your stats change. But in this one, multiple times I've been like, oh, shit, this person now has a Pokemon on the board that has maxed their special attack, and it doesn't matter, like, I put out my next Pokemon, but because they're already so ahead of that growth, stat growth, like, I'm getting one shot, you know? Um, it's a thing that, like, I understand, and, like, you kind of have to worry about in the end game sometimes, but it's like, oh, this, these earlier ones, like, have a little bit more of a kind of traditional JRPG, um like, danger in them, even though the, ultimately what happens when you lose is you go back to the last Pokestop, you lose a nominal amount of money, which is annoying, but, like, you can come back from, right, um, but I've been surprised at, like, oh, I never remembered this being this difficult, I'm actually curious whether or not there have been AI changes, um, but, uh, I've been in enjoying it uh, so far, um, except, and I'm out kind of with uh, Patrick on this. Some of the design and art decisions seem oh, the game, the game odd. Like, but. It looks the game weird. Like, but. I feel like parts <laughs> I, of it look okay. I feel like there's parts of the lighting models that are interesting, and part of sometimes some of the environments are okay. It's I think just, in the battles an- is really good, but the little chibis look like their heads are bulging out towards the sky in a really bizarre way to me like they just look odd and i don't like them
0: (laughs) it's just everything about i only played like the first 20 minutes of this with my daughter which probably violated my nda apologies nintendo um but um (laughs) uh it's just like a really i play you know I, i i i dropped pokemon by the time i got to the ds like i played through the you know Game Boy Game of Color, and I think I at some point in the GBA era is when I when I fell off. But mm-hmm. um, I don't like it. Just and this is a DS one, right? Yes, yes. Okay, so at that point it was already 3D, right? So like this is this was 3D no. on the DS. No. no, it was still 2D. It was
2: still 2D. It was still 2D. Okay. This is why okay, they've made these choices then, that, that because ma- of these maps. That makes
0: me even more frustrated because <laughs> it's one thing if you're just sort of like scaling up an existing 3D um, right aesthetic, no. like. This is such a deeply unimaginative way to interpret pixels. Um yeah. it it's just really flat and boring. Um uh you know I guess maybe we're getting the more exciting one in the you know the upcoming. I, I guess what revealed to me was I keep looking for a, a way back into this series uh-huh. and I dip in like once every 5 years and like I think I, I did like these games a lot. Um Did you try some of these? Moon? Uh, no, the last one I tried was, I can't remember, I can't remember, I think it was on 3DS, I think that was the, the last one that I, that I might have, probably uh, X given or a, Y, yeah. Yeah, I think it was X
2: and
0: Y, um, that it was, it was, right. uh, it was okay. uh, yeah, it, it didn't quite get me, um, but I think what I'm waiting for is the, is a new one, um, you know, yeah. I don't know if that means I'm gonna love it, but, I like, I think what I've just, what I've now it is now solidified is, like, absent my child, dragging me into Pokemon and, and reading it for her, which yeah. is partially what I did until I said... Can you just go play Unpacking instead? You really like that and then I don't have to do anything? <laughs> um, then I don't have to engage. I think, I think I'm waiting for the new one to see if that kind of can take what I liked about Pokemon as a kid, but put it into a context that I find more satisfying yeah. at, at, you know, for what I look for in games now. But we um, we need we need I need to cap it there so Rob can do the outro and yep. he can go to his – we can both yeah. go to our well, – It room.
1: also sounds like um, Jason is out. Um, all sorts of wildness is happening with the usual meeting. Uh, apparently, oh it's, shit, it's been nationalized. Uh, I hear. <laughs> um, so, uh, for all I know, instead of motherboard's usual uh, wait, like editorial meeting, it's going to be some sort of like. Uh, strike vote or something for for all i know it'll be like <laughs> it'll be like normal ray standing in the factory uh and that's a wrap on today's episode of waypoint radio that's uh if you want more from waypoint you can follow us on twitter at waypoint facebook and youtube waypoint vice you can follow me on twitter at rob zackney patrick you can follow me at patrick clubik kato at a underscore
2: kato underscore
1: appears uh, anyway, if you, if you like what you heard and want more Waypoint, you can go to waypointplus.com. Uh, oh that supports our streams, like the inscription stream, that also, uh, supports and gives you access to, uh, premium podcasts, uh, as part of your Waypoint Plus membership. So once again, that's waypointplus.com. Theme music is by Bowen. The tracks Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Learn more at Waypoint.zone/slash/boen. That's us calling time on this week. We'll talk to you again next week. Until then, fuck capitalism, go home.
0: Halo Two was a game that. <laughs> is a, I, I feel like I've told the story. Uh, like, all right, hold on. There's someone at the door. I will. I
1: will pick, pick that up in a second. <laughs> give me. Give me a second. You know, on Reach, they heard someone at the door, and it turned out to be the Covenant. What the fuck is Reach?
2: I played the multiplayer of these to, games. God You have
1: to go back, Kato, and I think it's a mistake, frankly. I think it's a mistake. See, this is like a more civilized age uh. Uh, where like, yeah, sure. Halo is the first game and it comes before everything that follows in terms of like when it was produced. But honestly, wouldn't we wouldn't it have even more of an impact if you played the prequel reach and then you could see like everything that led to the moments that uh, define the opening of Halo combat evolved?
2: No, because no I one think- else did at the time.
1: People liked that game without reach. And it is true that everybody hated the way we started a more civilized age with not having seen *Revenge of the Sith*. That is absolutely true. <laughs> I mean, like you're fucking dumbasses for doing this. Um, God. But I think uh, history bore out the wisdom of that approach. But we were right to abandon it when it no longer when it no longer bore fruit. Um, I really want to play some Reach.
2: <laughs> I really want to play Halo.
1: We're playing okay, Marathon. Because here is the thing: Do you know? Do you know what Reach us? At all.
2: It I I know that it falls, whatever it is.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay, yes, you heard the fall of Reach. Great. Yeah. <laughs> uh so the thing is, the cool thing about the opening of Halo is you're gonna learn like real quick that they're kinda like this is their they're losing a war really badly and they've thrown this like last ditch, like Hail Mary, gee, hope this works, uh type thing. Mm-hmm. It's not even like a Death Star run. It's more like you fired. Luke Skywalker into space in the hopes that he might find an (laughs) X-Wing and some secret plans. Uh, Oh, fuck! but the opening of the game is they are all fleeing from like the assault on this like top secret research compound where this sort of Hail Mary plan was put together. Um, And because of some shit that is, that seems to have happened, there is a reason there is no, there is no plan B and there's not another master chief. There is no like, prepare for the onslaught of the spartans uh Mm. to turn the tide of this war uh he remains kind of a singular thing a singular prototype and so as i understand it uh reach is halo uh is i think it's Bungie, sort of at the top of their game uh sort of winding down their involvement with halo they've done the experiment of odst and then with reach um they're telling the story of like okay what if like there were a bunch of Spartans that were all created at the same time along Master Chief and before the program can bear fruit they get fucking murked by <laughs> <laughs> by the Covenant. And so like it is what if you have the most like what if there's like what if there are like four master chiefs all yeah. like super badasses making a final stand uh you know in in order for this uh final desperation attack to, to be carried out. And so like Halo Reach, I think, is just hours of just like heroic last stand shenanigans with uh w- with, with like Spartans. Mm. Um and, and the Covenant at their fully most terrifying. Uh because as the games go on, you know, familiarity brings, breeds contempt. Uh you learn that there's some like cool there's some cool dudes in the Covenant who can hang. Um But I think Halo Reach is pretty much like Leaning into the Halo as war horror story, mm-hmm. um, which kind of appeals to me. And I think I think we'd love it.
2: I, I probably maybe I feel like there's some sense. It, I mean, it's a prequel, right? Right? You said yeah. that, and I don't know. Like that always feels like there's, um, you know, when they've when they're creating this thing knowing where it ends up, that sense of dramatic irony kind of feeds into a lot of the story making and then also meaning making on the yeah. other end. And so like, I don't want to play reach first because I want to want to play Halo and understand the aftermath and why it's particularly sad that this totally shit went agree. down or whatever, you know, I don't know.
0: Yeah. That's... No, I, I gotcha. I
1: gotcha.
0: <laughs> Hi, Patrick. Were we still, rec- I don't know if you guys were actually, like, talked around me dealing kind with of? the person at the at I don't the door, know. We chatted we about
2: Halo. Can figure out
0: if it's a good pod.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> cut some of the
0: dead air, I guess. It'll be fine. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if you, you know, the two of you get uh, this. Maybe you, Rob, because you, like, own a condo. But, uh, like, you get these people who claim that they're in the area because they're doing work for one of your neighbors? And then, like, oh, we're just going to check in with the other people in the neighborhood to see if they would also like this work done frequently it's like you know bugs and and or like out you know dealing with like outdoor Mm. uh window work and stuff like that but i almost never want to sign up for something like like thousands of dollars worth of work like immediately upon the sheet handed to me it's that's like can you keep a can you give me a business card and they never have a business card oh no we're just we're just here for this like you know we uh I was like, yeah, but I just have a business card and like. Then not I'm having a business card would weird me out. It's like, it yeah, it's super shady. And it like it it's I thought the first time I thought, oh, you're just a young kid, you know, like you're, you know, you, they gave you the grunt work, like go and you know, go and knock on the, on the neighbors' doors. And then it happened three or four times where they just couldn't provide a business card. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, now I just just flatly will not engage with someone who can't like leave me a flyer or a business card. Or some other information. Well,
1: because there's kind of two things, right? Is like, one, okay, hang on. What is your real skill set? Like, like maybe you could do the <laughs> thing if nothing weird comes up at all, no curveballs are thrown at you, but, like, if you're going to crack into a thing that's part of my house, I want to make sure that you can, like, put it back together if you encounter some weirdness yeah. and fix it. Yeah. Uh, well, and a, a lot of times that's where fixed. you sort of... Apprentices can't necessarily do that yet, whereas, like, the the, the master craftsman can, uh, yes. ideally. But, two, I'm like... What kind of insurance is your business carrying? Like if shit goes wrong, you don't have have a business card. So I'm just going to go out on a limb here and suggest you might not be covered for anything you might fuck up on the job and might not be covered for anything that might physically like befall you like at my house while you're working on it. And then what happens? Like, do I end up getting sued? Because it turns out you were fly-by-night roofing company. Like, you fall off the roof, and you're like, <laughs> I don't know what I was doing up there, Your Honor, but all I know is I fell off that man's dangerous roof. <laughs>
0: <sighs> uh, so Halo. Halo 2 uh, came out when I was...